0: Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're
1: freedom, a common
0: ground, a way to grow,
1: and can even make life better.
0: We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Happy New Year! 2021 this is first podcast of a brand new year here yeah Thank you happy guys new for year being everyone with us. this it's great. very very cool to have you with us yet again we did
1: have a three podcast break which i have to say felt weird it felt weird because of the regular cadence mm-hmm. we've established but it was nice yeah, yeah not yeah. to not be podcasting but just nice to have a reset and mm-hmm. come back fresh totally, and i do yeah. feel that way weirdly but right at the end of december i felt Pretty ready to go. We have so much stuff coming. We were
0: buried. We're going to talk about a few of them. We were buried in two press cars a week while we were on hiatus from this podcast. So there's a lot of that discussion going on. We are shooting test drives again. They are going to be coming out once a week, sometimes maybe even twice a week. We have that many cars in the lineup. We are still – we're actually very close to finishing Season 8, which is currently airing on Motor Trend Channel and is coming shortly to Amazon. We're almost done with post-production on that, which is really cool, but also the episodes
1: are out. It started now. It has started, and at some point, we're going to be releasing a TV episode during a week. Mm-hmm. Two test drives on the test drive YouTube channel. Yes. Something else on the main channel, either an older TV episode, or yeah, something yeah. with the mm-hmm. cheap sports car challenge, and twice weekly podcast, mm-hmm. all within the space of a week. Yes, that's that's
0: which that's, blows me away. What I find fascinating is that we've done this to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody stood over us and said, guys, you need to release more. It's just we keep packing in things for a week and we keep wanting to give you guys more and we keep wanting to get in more, which is the whole reason we now have two YouTube channels. I mean, it's madness over here, It, it but it is. It is madness of our own making and I love that. Agreed. I really do.
1: Well, it has begun. Season eight is now on the Motor Trend cable channel starting as of January 2, 2021. And the season started with the Million Dollar Highway in Ure, Colorado. That was the cheap sports cars mm-hmm. and it was different than what we released on YouTube. So it was a different totally headspace different, yeah. and a different road yeah so just know that the good news is if you missed any of the episodes they will repeat during the entire season so the they'll first quarter, repeat yeah. themselves mm-hmm. with a break in the middle probably an episode from the last season yep. that we liked. we put that in there and so that whole entire season they will play twice mm-hmm. so if you missed it that's okay and they will soon be on amazon prime as well thanks to all of our sponsors and by the way this year Some of the codes might be changing for the discount code. So just note that when you're hearing the ads and maybe try Mm -hmm. to use some Mm -hmm. of the codes. So that might be changing just as a heads up for everybody. That is is uh, uh,
0: pending at this point. But
1: to all of them, Haggerty, Covercraft, Griot's Garage, Power Stop Brakes is sponsoring the Cheap Car Challenge, as is the headline sponsor, Auto Tempest. Mm We're very, very happy and thankful for all of our sponsors, and they're making it happen for us.
0: That is, uh, honestly, the reason that the show exists is because we have sponsors. This is the reason that we have a TV show. This this makes the whole thing move forward. So thank you guys for engaging with those sponsors because that is key, and we really do appreciate how just supportive they are. Not just, look, not just from a financial perspective because that is key and obviously the reason that that they sponsor us, but also just in general,
1: we interact with these sponsors. They're good people. They're good people and they I like what we do. Yes. They, they approve of what we're doing yes, as well for sure. as far for as, sure. as the content. Oh, yeah. So the next episode is called Compacts. BMW has built a car the size of a Toyota Corolla. We discovered this, noted it, and shot an episode around it. So if yes. you're shopping and genuinely shopping in the compact class, you can't ignore the 228i from BMW. But you also can't ignore the Corolla and the Jetta. Mm-hmm. This is the, the just to clarify,
0: this is the BMW 2 Series, but not the BMW 2 Series that you and I have driven before many, many times, including in Pilgrimage. Right. That is a rear-wheel drive 2 Series, right. two-door. This is a front-wheel drive biased 2 Series, four-door, because this is the 2 Series right. Grand Coupe. Right. BMW, who we actually thought couldn't slice things finer, <laughs> has now got two cars with the same number designation. Have you thought about that? They're 2 Different platforms too. With two different, with the same number with designation. Same
1: number model designation.
0: I, I, you realize you could yeah. buy, you could right now buy a BMW 228i xDrive And it could be either
1: of those cars. True. Well, I guess the rear-wheel drive is the 230 now, so technically speaking. But still, I take your point. Yes. So if you're shopping 2 Series, you got to be definitive. But yes, as Todd said, we had a few cars come our way over the holidays, and we've got to discuss them because Mm -hmm. we had actually a couple of Nissans, which was nice. Mm -hmm. We got the Nissan Armada, which we've had in infinity form before. Yes,
0: the QX80, yeah.
1: But didn't you fill that full of people? You filled the Armada full of family and...
0: I'm in an odd world now for a lot of reasons. One of them is the fact that I have the only grandchild on both sides is my son. So the best description that I've come up with is it's like that moment in Lion King when they raise up the cub. It really It's like that at my house all the time. Does the music
1: play? Do you have it on your phone so you I, just yeah. play the music when the grandparents come over? And now
0: that he's 11, we're, we're working on just <laughs> deconstructing that damage and just being like, you know what? The world does not revolve around you. I know it's surprising to say that. Despite the volume of presence. Yes, he does exactly. Get- so yes. there is that. Um, but now both sets of grandparents live within driving distance. <laughs> I'm— which Glad meant, and sorry? Yeah, that's exactly how to feel. Yay! That is, that is the sorry. description of a mixed bag right there. So, <laughs> so as a reality, we all we all went out for Christmas dinner.
1: <laughs> and you took the Armada. We
0: took the Armada because that was the only thing that we had that would actually fit all seven of us. So we went and took the Armada, and everybody did fit. Okay. Because it, it's one of those things where you go, seven-seater, let's see how this actually goes when you throw real right. people out. Because my right. son isn't actually small anymore either. It's not like, you know, we have one little toddler and a bunch of adults. No, it's he's getting pretty big. So as a result, we all piled in the Armada. The only downside to the one that we had is it had the second row captain's chairs, which means it had the huge solid center console in the back, the second uh, row. So hard to climb over. So there's no there's no going down the middle. The thing I like most about captain's right. chairs is the aisle down the middle.
1: Yeah, right. But if you put right. the big
0: center console in, which sometimes, look, it's designed as a luxury thing. I, I get it. But you put that down there, and now it's all about rolling the seats forward and climbing in that way because you can't go down the center aisle. Mm-hmm. I, that's just a setup thing. I get it. But I will say this. Everybody's fit. It has a surprisingly good ride, especially loaded down with people, to the point that people in the back row commented that they thought that the ride for third-row passengers was excellent. No kidding. Now, my wife thought it was a bit claustrophobic, Grand, she's back there in the back row with two other people, so that's why. But and there's not you know huge windows back there, but but they all, but not just people, family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but her included, she did comment that the fact that the the ride in the third row was decent, which a lot of times is not. Okay. So that was know. good. And you know what? I think the most interesting thing about that because it, it's, I hate to say this, but it's very middle of the road.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: But it has an interesting engine and drivetrain. Okay. That V8 is okay. has got a little bit of personality.
1: It does. When I drove it, I felt that it drove more truck-like than SUV-like, but the mm. ride was good. Yeah, And by that, I mean tall, lumbering, heavy, but people like that. People want well, that large it feel. Has that, it has that Tahoe feel about it. It has yeah. that, that
0: feel versus the, C, the CUV. It doesn't feel like a unibody CUV at all. It, it feels not. like the big Tahoe it does not. Expedition Explorer. Which is competitor. why
1: you buy it. Exactly. exactly. Now, now, this yeah. new Armada also comes with the brand-newly redesigned Nissan logo on the front and mm-hmm. a couple of headlights and grille that are different. So it's reflecting the new, more angular Nissan styling. On this particular Armada, the front – Headlights and taillights were a little bit different. They're mm-hmm. updated. But I'm not convinced that it matches the sheet metal of what they're currently using I see for that. the Infinity yeah. QX80 yeah, and the that. Armada. Mm-hmm. So it feels a bit like a transition stylistically. Mm-hmm. And the interior hasn't changed, even though the materials are good and it's well built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like we're kind of ready for a newer Armada, personally. I, but— this is where we're at right now.
0: It's clear to me that that is not where Nissan is focused, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they have it feel. And I feel this way about the, the Infiniti as well. They have a solid option in their brand. It's not a standout. Okay. If you're okay. shopping in their brand, here is a solid option from them in
1: that space. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, we also had the Jeep Gladiator diesel, which was interesting. And you we did bombed around in that a little bit. We did too, that. Did
0: you? not have side running boards. Oh, that was tall. Yeah, it did not have side running boards. So, yeah. so uh, you know, I can climb into things, but I'm also six foot three. And if I'm making an effort, my son's looking at it going, I mean, he literally said to me, he said, how do I get in? I was like, I don't know, buddy, figure it out. Like climb. I'll meet you in Go there. get a step ladder <laughs> you know, out of the garage. Exactly. So, so, yeah, it was hard to get into, but uh, but that's okay. I mean, I realize that's an option. What is funny to me about the Gladiator, it feels the same behind the wheel as I thought when I first saw one.
1: It is really long. It's got a long wheelbase.
0: It is huge. I mean, you think about the, yeah, the Wrangler Unlimited yeah. four-door, and now you add extra out back for the bed. Right. So right. it's like Suburban-style length in something that isn't. It's, it doesn't seem that usable. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really a long truck.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: But it was diesel. The thing I find fascinating about Jeeps right now, and the Gladiator is no exception, this is the big monster Rubicon thing. The thing I find fascinating is they have done a good job with packing all the latest tech and all the latest creature comforts into a car that fundamentally is not designed to have creature comforts. Makes sense. Think about what a Jeep is. I mean, you've still got fabric door connectors. It's hysterical to me to be sitting (laughs) in a really well heated seat. That's also very comfortable with a well heated steering wheel while the phone is doing Apple CarPlay through the car. And then you crack the door and the door feels like a Jeep door always has the weird single sheet of metal with a mm-hmm. fabric door door connector. You're like, this doesn't, these don't seem like they go together.
1: Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I, but that. I mean, that, uh. and that's not
0: a strike. It's just fascinating to me that they have packed that kind of tech into the current round of Jeeps. The only downside real downside that I had in my Jeep experience was okay. this. All right. It's hysterical to me to see big old tires on a Jeep and a no, and then experience that those are not tires that can handle the winter weather at all.
1: <laughs> you just you <laughs> yeah. think
0: when you see a truck like that, you think, oh, big knobby yeah. tires, that'll be great. Not if they're not designed for winter. Exactly. I mean, there was lots of plus. Exactly. It's you know, it's two wheel drive, rear wheel drive, two wheel drive with a pickup bed. Yeah, it's really light in the back. Lots of unintentional uh, fishtailing, sliding around <laughs> on that until you go, oh, that's right. I'm driving this
1: <laughs> torquey diesel. Exactly on right. Non winter tires. Exactly right. Yep. Yay. Well, we also had the brand new Nissan Rogue, which is intriguing, I think, to both of us because the Rogue, if you're not aware, is Nissan's best-selling vehicle. They sell Rogues like crazy. Now, they are also part of rental fleets, I will acknowledge, but the big Detroit 3 have always done that for years. They've counted fleet sales in terms Mm -hmm. of the overall sales, which is fine. There's a little bit of finely slicing and dicing the numbers there, but for the most part, they do count them towards sales. And
0: I will say that you can tell when you get in the new Rogue, you can tell that this is Nissan's most successful vehicle because they have redesigned this clearly with the, closest to open checkbook they had
1: i'll i'll second that you know the kind of money that is poured into pickup truck design mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. everybody that makes pickups because yeah. they sell so well so all these you know energy and time and resources are put into truck development to make it mm-hmm. better to you know technology and build quality and all that kind of stuff it feels like all of that has been poured into the new rogue Yeah, which is not a bad thing because their best-selling vehicle really needs to have this kind of thoughtful care, attention to detail. It also reflects Nissan's new direction for styling. It also feels a little bit transitional Mm -hmm. so it doesn't mm, shock customers into, whoa, what's this brand new thing? It just looks really well done and, and very yeah. handsome actually it's well
0: it's modern it's surprising how much more boxy the new Rogue is than the old one the old one was very swoopy and it actually along the lines of what we were saying before I mean Nissan definitely comes from a kind of swoopier more flowing design language this is definitely a trade over this this styling wise almost looks like a direct cross for me between what Hyundai is doing and what Mazda is doing it almost feels like the middle Just, ground Okay, it's got okay. a boxier feel And it actually is pretty attractive, all things considered.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'm looking at uh, some images here, just reminding myself of what it looks like. But yeah, that V-shape defining the Nissan grille, the lighting on the front is actually a little bit different. So the the headlights are actually a little bit lower below what you think is the signature lighting element there. But I do think it's going to be successful, to be honest, because it feels modern. It feels like it has some good style to it, but Mm -hmm. it's going to be, you know, selling well, it's going to be, people are going to be buying these things to be honest. And the thing that stuck out the most to me was the rear seat vertical headroom. Just, you know, the spine sitting in the seat all the way to the top of the, the roof there. Sure. Sure. I thought it was excellent. It was a little bit surprising because it didn't feel like the old rogues. It just felt like, well, we need something in the five seat CUV space. I agree with that. It felt very defined when I was a product designer, we were always tasked with Go do the thing for which you're designing the product. Don't design thinking this will be fine. Go use it, whether it's furniture or electronics Mm, or fitness equipment or anything. Sure, sure. Go use it. Go to the place where they sell these things Mm -hmm. or go use it in the environment (laughs) and live with it for a while. Live with the current crop of products that you're trying to compete against. And then the new thing that you're developing, go to a factory that tortures metal into furniture. Go understand mm. how they make furniture and mm-hmm. where furniture is used. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example in Las Vegas. Nobody's really just doing the one person to the chaise lounge. People are piling on, they're throwing them into the pool they're <laughs> they're <laughs> um, point okay, yeah, they're yeah. not using them like just one you know lightweight body <laughs> sitting in this chaise lounge. <laughs> That's not true. Have you seen parties at the pools in Vegas? A wafee
0: model draped lightly across the chaise lounge. Not, Not happening often. Yeah, I take your point. Yeah.
1: Go actually see how people use your chaise lounges and then go design it. <laughs> Same funny. thing here. So what I'm getting at is it felt like the designers of the Rogue went and used it and realized there wasn't enough backseat space, especially mm. for taller people. Mm. If we're going to ride in this thing and use it. Mm. Why don't we actually redesign it, make it slightly larger, and actually fit people? And with the tech and the materials, it felt well-addressed, but it didn't feel contrived
0: mm-hmm. in no, any way. I Back to where you started on this, and we mentioned this earlier as well. I do think that the prior Rogue was their contribution to the segment. I agree that. I feel like this updated Rogue is genuinely competitive to the point That I actually, when I first drove it, and there were pros and cons here, but when I first drove it, I felt like it almost feels like a Mazda product. That is praise. From the driver's seat, it almost feels like a Mazda product. Now, there's a couple things there. The the transmission is surprisingly observant. It, It pays attention to what you're actually asking. Now the engine is not powerful. It's still that same. It's like 180 horsepower. It's okay. naturally aspirated. It, the engine Whatever. is absolutely in the fine column. Sure. The transmission, of course, Nissan is played with CVTs. This transmission was actually acceptable. A lot of times, I'm in CVT stuff and I'm in Nissan products, and the transmission's annoying. This one actually did a pretty good job of listening. And I, I was driving along, thinking this feels quite a bit like a Mazda product, and we love. The Mazda lineup right now, especially the Mazda CX-5, which is this rogues direct competitor. I feel like somebody at Nissan has been driving a CX-5 and went, ah, Mm. I need to worry about this. Two little surprises, though. Uh, Apparently, my driveway which gets a lot of snow and a whole lot of crosswinds is the crucible for cold. Now it's what I've started calling it. You heard it here first and cars that sit in my driveway in the winter for more than 24 hours and don't get started. Apparently don't like it very much when they have to get started. This rogue brand new 2000 miles on it. I walked out one morning. I will admit it was eight degrees, eight.
1: That's pretty cold.
0: I got in it. And of course it's push button start, right? Mm -hmm. And it didn't sense the key.
1: Well, that's weird. Couldn't find the fob. You mean? So I
0: put the fob instead of in my pocket. I put it right underneath the start button, still couldn't sense the key. And I was like, this is really weird. And then I realized it didn't want to start. I had to jump it. What? In eight degrees. Weird. Now that was the only time I had an issue with the car. The entire time I had it, I will admit it was very cold. There may be something else going on, but to my knowledge I went around the car and checked. I hadn't left anything on. Hmm. But I had to jump it. So that wasn't the greatest. I didn't love that. Granted cold is a whole new thing. The only other thing is Nissan's very excited about their seats.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: I don't think they're good. What don't you think is good? I think they're very average. I don't think they are supportive enough, especially not in the base. And I don't think they're adjustable enough in the backrest. And then Nissan simultaneously talks about how much they love their zero gravity seats. And I keep getting in them and going, these are very middle of the road.
1: I continually like that manufacturers are focused on seat design. And I think that the cars that people will spend the most time in, i.e. commuters or five-seat SUVs like this, should have the best seats known to man. Now, I understand that can drive the price of the car up because your suppliers are going. All right, if I'm going to, it's not about the functions and amenities. It is about the ergonomics, which I mm-hmm. like that Nissan is focused on. Yeah, it really depends on the body type. Admittedly, I mean, you have like five extra vertebrae or something. I have extra vertebrae and spine. I don't fit in a lot of things. Yeah, so I, I will admit that's that. me. There is it's me. Not yes, everybody. Sure. Yes, that's true. But on the other hand, seats are what you judge a car by, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, I can always replace a seat. It's not really how it works. Not what you're going to want to do. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah. Unless you are doing a build or you've got, you know, your car and yeah, you're just yeah, putting yeah. a driver's seat in. So we're always very kind of sensitive about seats and sure. spending time yeah. there. But I do like they're, that they're focused on that. But I, I take your point. It, it kind of depends on your body type, but well, um, it, it kind of goes back and forth. I
0: didn't I really like the ones in the center either. And I know that they were the zero gravity seats. And maybe I maybe I just don't work well with their seats. That's very possible. It could be me. It could absolutely be me. But I didn't, I didn't like that as much as I'd like to. I do think, though, that honestly, anytime I drove the Rogue, I just thought this is a really solid, competitive offering in this space. Rides nice, feels nice, feels absolutely worth the price.
1: Yeah, I agree to that. And uh, last thing that I noted here was the rear door, actually both doors, but the rear door opens perpendicular to the car that's a good point yeah. it doesn't just open a little bit and you can get in mm-hmm. it opens the widest i've ever seen <laughs> be careful of the car next to you seriously <laughs> which i'm very thankful for yeah, because yeah, yeah. i could very easily get in you're not fighting the door card and yeah, the yeah, cup yeah. holder sticking out and trying to get in <laughs> now if you have a car park next to you that's, that's a problem but the door opens so wide Unlike most cars. Interesting point. It it really yeah. is like they were paying attention to how this will be used and cargo and actual human beings fitting into this thing. If
0: you do Paul Parking where you get near nobody, then you can swing all the doors wide and you get all kinds of stuff in there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, last car that we had over the break was also the production Toyota Venza. Mm-hmm. Now with the electrochromic glass roof. <laughs> be careful with that electrochromic
0: glass roof. I speak from experience. <laughs> yeah. It,
1: it it here's
0: the thing I expected it to go dark what what it does is it it it's it a goes roof panel. opaque, it goes opaque, but it yes. goes opaque white, yeah, and then you hit a button and it opens and it and it becomes clear, and it's very it's very cool tech and it's fun little fun little ad on that car, but when it goes white opaque it isn't like I expected it to be black can't see anything you can still sense like you can see where the sun is, but the sun becomes this dark pink orb. I was driving somewhere with my wife, my dear, awesome wife, who is, to her credit, very intelligent. We all have those moments, though, don't we? <laughs> this was one of hers. So we're driving somewhere, and she was looking through the roof at the pink sun, because my son that morning had pointed out the pink sun. So I mean, she's now looking you don't at- see a pink sun. T- totally. She was looking at the orb, and then we all would have done this, and she did it. She was still looking at the sun, and she hit the button to see the change, <laughs> but she's still looking at the sun. and all She goes, oh, my... Oh, ow, I was like, you fake So the opaque it's pretty good. It's very cool and it does make the sun pink, but be careful when you turn the button for it to go clear.
1: We are continuing to film episodes with the cheap sports cars, so mm-hmm. watch the main YouTube channel for that and big thanks to Auto Tempest and PowerStop Brakes for sponsoring Getting those cars and doing all the things that we're going to be doing for the next year. So three videos are mm-hmm. out already. Yep, the cars are just running at this point. Next They're one is a winter
0: tire comparison, I'm and I'm I've been for doing snow. Yes, that's, we're, we're waiting on a big dump of snow so we can really talk about this. I'm already enjoying Slidey Madness, though. It's been very fun. <laughs> I will say the funny thing is that in the last two weeks, as we've had all these press cars, I think I've driven the Z4 once. Not yeah, out of lack of interest, but we've been driving lots of other stuff. But those are coming. We've got a lot of really good stuff on those cars coming. We've got a couple of big ideas before we close that sec- section out. We're going to be going all the way into next summer with it. So look for all of that.
1: Driveshare is the coolest online car sharing platform around. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, Driveshare unlocks the joy of driving. Renters can find special
0: cars that they can't believe they can drive that bring the awesome out of every moment. And owners can earn extra
1: cash to fund their passion to have the cars in the first place. To sign up, cruise over to Driveshare.com or download the app on Apple, iOS or Android. That's Driveshare.com.
0: We have our first car debate of 2021. Trey, you are up, my friend. Your headline here is, do you give in? Or do you resist?
1: (laughs) Trey is a hardcore car guy. He's 39 and now has 30 years of Motor Trend and Car and Driver magazines. Wow, that's a lot.
0: (laughs) Where are those stored? (laughs) Yeah, where do you put them? Could could you put? You probably could put an extra car wherever those magazines are. (laughs) That's true. I'm just I'm just bringing it up here, buddy. (laughs) I'm just saying. Anyway, yeah.
1: He says uh, he he needs some insight on what to do for his car conundrum here. He says he grew up poor by U.S. standards. He worked his way through college full-time, two jobs at one point, wow. and has gone on to a relatively successful career in the oil and gas industry. Okay. As his income went up, he and his family lived frugally, paid off a house, and then built another one. He says, at one point, I was making, well, a lot of money mm-hmm. in a year driving a $12,000 Chevy Cruze Eco with manual transmission.
0: So frugal is the key word here. Yeah. yeah. And now he's gotten to a place where he's starting to realize, I'm a car guy with a little bit of money. I'm going to start to have a little bit of fun. He had wanted a manual 3 Series forever. He finally got a 2015 BMW 335i M Sport, and he loves it. And he says he knows everybody thinks that the E90 chassis is better, but he believes his is much better and better on the track.
1: He says the steering could be better because when it's pushed really hard, it needs better brakes, at least pads. You know about power stop brakes, right? Yes. But the chassis is still pretty good. He says once it sets, you know what it's going to do. His point is it's a a capable car. It's been an excellent daily and quite reliable. That's good to hear. I'm glad. Yeah. He's got a list of cars that he's owned over the years that gives you a little bit of insight into his question here. He's had a Ford Escort wagon. Mm Mm-hmm. He's had an IROC-Z, a 1987 IROC-Z. did you have an IROC-Z? I did
0: not have an IROC-Z. wasn't an IROC. I had that era Firebird. I had the 82 Firebird. <laughs> so, the, the competitor. And I had it with the terrible four cylinder that That's had right. just about the least amount of power possible out of an engine that size. But what I love about the 1987 IROC Z in auto is just like a pinnacle 80s car, especially with it image, in auto. man. With image. it in automatic is also the thing about yeah. it that I love about that. That makes me laugh.
1: He's had a Mazda 626. I remember those from 1995. Yeah. He also had a 95 Trans Am. There you go. There you go. Ho-ho. He had a Nissan Maxima 2002, the car I wish my parents bought. He had an oh, yeah. <laughs> 09 Civic SI. 2010 Mazda Speed 3, and get this, he's had two Corvettes, Mm -hmm. 2004 C5-Z06. Yep. He owned it two years and sold it, and he's had a 2010 Corvette Grand Sport manual, which he just sold, in addition to the BMW that we've just mentioned. Mm -hmm. He's had an FRS. I noticed that. And this Chevy Cruze Eco with the manual. So, he's asking, well, he says, at first, you might be asking him why he'd sell his Corvette. Well, he quit his corporate job to open his own financial services practice. Interesting. So he thought he'd write to us to tell him how to (laughs) spend more money. Spend his
0: money badly. Really, let's be honest.
1: Not badly. Oh, well, you know, but if you're a financial advisor, I I will say
0: I would like to get the email from the financial advisor who backs our play on just buy that car because they're all
1: going, well, probably not. But anyway, yeah. He and his family moved to a new city. They're currently building a house, so it seemed like a good time to make some changes, i.e. spend more money in Reichstag and Paul.
0: <laughs> Sell the cars I currently have. Start again. But what I find funny is he's come back around to a car that you would kind of think, didn't we already cover this? Mm-hmm. It's the C4 Corvette because that was the car that first ignited his car love. So this is the version that first came out in 84 with yeah. the super digital dash, watch our American original film when we drive them all. This is the version that came out with the digital dash right after the Coke bottle 70s one, right? It, it, they don't make it in 83. It comes out in 84 or mm-hmm. 82, 83. Anyway, the point is- early Yeah, there were no 80s, 83s. Only 84. You. Yep. 84 comes out with the monster digital dash that they kept pairing it back. It was like way too much initially. It was like, kapow. And then they kept pairing it back. Which I think was cool. But he loves the C4. He loves the clamshell hood. That's the one that ignited his car love. And so in spite of the fact he's had a C5 and C6 and he knows that objectively the C4 has been discussed as worst, he wants one.
1: (laughs) He says he's never bought the one he really wanted, which was the ZR1 or just the LT4, 1996 manual transmission. Got it, got it. He has talked himself out of this car knowing objectively the C4 is a worse car than either of the other two Corvettes that he's owned. However, he thinks this might be important and why he's never totally settled on the other two two Corvettes is the C4 is the car Mm -hmm. that started his love of cars. Yeah, that's key. That's very key. So since he's wanted to own one his whole life, he knows objectively it won't be as good. But that emotional connection, will it be there on the C4? The one big caveat, he writes, is that he hasn't driven or even sat in a late model C4 in a lot of years, he says. And he's six foot six. That's that's tall. He's not sure he can fit comfortably. You will fit comfortably in all of the the Corvettes. You will you will fit fine uh, up through up through the
0: C six. It's amazing how big a
1: guy can fit in you the van. absolutely yeah. will. Yeah. The owner of the C six zero six who brought who loaned us his car was mm-hmm. almost six eight. Sam.
0: Yes, big guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: So he fit fine. So that's not a worry. But he's just wondering since this won't be a daily. Can't be uncomfortable driving it. That's fine. But mm-hmm. will the emotional connection be there? So he's asking, should I scratch the itch? Do I do it? Do it?
0: Trey, I do? Trey, you have an alternate option here, is which is get rid of your current BMW and get an M2. And uh, look, I like that. I like the M2. But I'm just going to dive right in here and say this. This car isn't going away. This is the thing I read in your email. This car for you is not... Going away. You've bought cars around it. You bought it. You almost bought it. Yeah, I know. Watch and our.
1: The other two Corvettes, instead of buying the C4.
0: Yes. Watch our Z6 piece, the Z06 piece that we have on YouTube now and also Amazon and everywhere else, where we do the C5, C6, and C7 Z06s all together. They happen to be red, white, and blue. We didn't plan that, but when they showed up, we went, that's America right there. So watch that piece, but also watch our American original film. We drive them all. The thing is, that is that car that you keep circling, and so I think you must buy one, but here is my only requirement. You have to get the ZR1
1: hundred percent agreed to that. The
0: ZR one was a real surprise to both of us when we drove it for the film. It has a, and I'm not saying it just because I like Lotus, but it has a Lotus derived engine. Mm-hmm. It is such an oddball and special, special car in the Corvette lineup. I think even if you, let's say you have it a year, you need to have the experience of this car. I know we talk about new experiences a lot, but the, but the flip side of that coin is, There may be something that lands so hard in you as a car person that you have to have a reservoir of that car always available. You have to keep – for you, I think it's Cayman's, Paul.
1: Oh, it's absolutely Cayman's.
0: For me, I keep kind of wanting another 300ZX. And I know objectively, I've driven plenty of better cars than that, but I kind of <laughs> want the definitive one. I because I had a I had an early year automatic non-turbo. I want like a late year twin turbo, yeah, five-speed. Yeah, I want the definitive one. Don't know that I can afford that, but anyway, there's that. So <laughs> I think this is that car for you. I think you'll fit, but you has to, it, my only requirement for you if you go C4, and I think you should is it has to be ZR1. So you think he should. Scratch the itch. You think he should do it? Because uh, here's the other reason. I think because here's the other thing, Trey, that I think makes sense. If you buy one now, I think if you have it a year, you can sell it for the same price. They're at the bottom
1: of their value. They are at the bottom. Reminding me that I should go buy one.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> and, and they're and they're yes. worth like a nice one is twenty grand. A nice one. Yeah, that's true. So um, you, yeah, so you, a you Steam version is twenty five. You have 30? it for a year. Yeah, And you decide, you know, I'm just not driving enough. It's not everything I hoped it would be. I met my hero and it's disappointing. Then you sell it for probably about the same that you bought it for,
1: honestly, because they are at the absolute bottom of the trough. This other choice that Todd refers to is in Trey's email here. He says, it's the M2 competition. And if he sells his current BMW, he will have about $45,000 to spend. We don't quite know the budget. We're guessing it's 15 to 20 if you keep your current BMW. Yeah, you didn't say. I'm it's a little bit unclear, so we're just extra, extrapolating that. But I'm hmm, I'm wrestling with the C4 being your hero car. The reason I love it so much, Trey, is because it was a discovery. Mm-hmm. It was never a hero car for me, and I never sure. idolized sure, it. Sure, sure, yeah. It was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I came in with different expectations. You're coming in with all the expectations. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Which is a different headspace yeah. than me discovering and going, wow, I had no idea. I, th- I mm. thought they were cool, but I never lusted after them. So that's why I love them because it's suddenly their bargain. They have a muscle car feel. They mm-hmm. look great. Yeah. They're kind of cheap and they were just fast. They were awesome. It was,
0: it was more than you expected and he's coming yes. in. It's, it's the everything car. That is a problem. You're right. sides of yeah, the room
1: to the same. C4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can do that, if you can pull off my headspace, you'll love it. Mm. I'm worried that if you continue in your headspace, and you mm, come to the mm. room with the C4, and here it is, and it's it's my hero car. It better be all there is because not that far down the road are better cars. You've yeah, already owned two yeah, of them. I hear that. I and hear you that. know that. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's, that's my concern point. for yeah. you. If you can ch- switch your headspace, change it a little bit, I say I'm, I say yes, I'm all for it. But that's that's only something you can do.
0: Yeah, agreed. And, and it's going to be a personal thing, Trey. And I'm really imagining a world where… Imagine uh, for a year you're driving this car, and why are you driving it? Because it's the car that got you into cars. Right. And and that's I know this sounds weird, but that's all you need it to be. It doesn't need to be the greatest car you've ever driven.
1: And it has to stop there too. Yes.
0: It doesn't need to be the yeah. greatest car ever. It doesn't need to be the I you know, I've driven a lot of other stuff, but this is the best we've ever driven. Don't don't expect that. <laughs> because people either. go, Really? But but I, but I do think if, yeah. if you buy one and you drive it because it's the car that you can't get out of your mind because it was the one that started
1: it, this is the reason I want a Jaguar E-Type. Right. can't afford I, a Jaguar E-Type. But, but, but you also know inherently that there might be problems with it. Yes. It might not start the day you really want it to start. It didn't start on part of our shoot. You know, yeah. it might let you down. Yes. And will your love still be there? Is mm-hmm. the headspace mm-hmm. I want you to come to, Trey.
0: And, and, I, and I am so interested when I drive an E-Type. Every time I drive an E-Type, I am connected back to the kid riding along with my dad yeah and yeah. I'm connected back to it is a car from a different time and I'm right. okay with that right I'm enjoying yes. the car at the level that it's at not expecting it to be beyond that and if you can do all of those things I think you'd love a C4 ZR1 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: if you decide to sell it and get the ZR1 and you live with it for a year or two mm-hmm. that's great mm-hmm. but there's another car that I was just thinking of it's the oh, first okay. generation Acura NSX that I thought yeah. we'd really connect with and it would be a daily. And also, since we were talking about kind of the bottom of the market and they're starting to go back the other way, NSXs. Like early ones, yeah. early nineties. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Get yourselves one of those mm-hmm. after the Corvette, but you know, get the Corvette, different driving experience, and you're yeah. looking for something new, still analog, manual, different engine placement, sold it around the same time. Go get an Think NSX. Think about that. Yes. Yeah. They, they were
0: they act- totally were actual, actual com- contemporary cars, very different cars. Yeah. That's a cool Just one. I like thought, that alternative, I was yeah.
1: Thinking about other I want you in a new Supra, but I'm not sure you can fit. it. 6 foot six. Maybe, maybe uh, it'll be tight. No, that will be tight. It depends on, you know, your width and girth and all it, that it kind of stuff. It might
0: work cuz that car is surprisingly roomy, but I that okay,
1: I see where but you're going. But at this point, I think you're getting a yes from both of us, Trey.
0: You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all
1: the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. AutoTempest.com.
0: All the cars. One search.
1: All righty. Jumping into questions. Guys, thank you so much for your engagement. Really appreciate it, and uh, I hope you've all had great holidays. We're jumping into social media questions here from Facebook. Seth Kleinman says, What is the max cost-to-value ratio when considering repairing an older car? Recently, his 2007 BMW 530 XI wagon needed $2,000 in repairs, Okay, which he did choose to go forward with. The problem is if he scrapped it, He's not sure he could have gotten better than three or four thousand dollars for it. Two thousand dollars for the repair plus a thousand dollars to two grand for scrap value. Mm-hmm. They're that they're worth that little. Well, but if you have a
0: major problem like a transmission or something, the value of your used car goes down so rapidly. That's that's the big thing. I mean my Lancer was worth about ten grand. Yeah. With the broken engine it was worth about fifteen hundred. Sheesh. You know, so I mean, this is the problem. Now, putting a new engine in it, the guy I sold it to specializes in EVOs. He had, I think, a new engine in it that afternoon, and he's driven right. it very, very happily. As his, I love this. By the yeah, way, but he, the deal
1: was good for him, not it was for good you. For
0: yeah, he, he he turned my Lancer, by the way, into his shop truck because what he does for a living, he actually it's repairing really, other Lancers. He hot rods EVOs, EVO tens. Okay, right. so he hot rods those. So he has the step down. With the DCT that he knows, he knew more about that car in an afternoon that he that had arrived off the truck than I knew in the year I owned it, and I think he had an engine in it that week, and it's become his shop truck, which is perfect. But the thing is, that car, I think, I yeah, by the time I let it go, I was in the hole, which hurts. And the, see, that's the trade-off: is if you have something engine transmission, something major that takes a few thousand dollars worth of work. That is such a catastrophic hit to the value
1: of the car unless you get it fixed. That's always the tough part. The cost of value ratio changes depending on where you're at financially in life. You can't just give a definitive answer because if you're struggling for cash and you need the car, you can't go buy a new car. You can't go get something else. I get it. You've got to put the repairs in. So in that case, yeah. But if you're already considering, well, the other point is your love for the car, mm-hmm. not its mm-hmm. Dollar value, but it's an emotional value to you. If you like the car, that's why project cars exist. That's why we all
0: <laughs> and linger, bring and, a trailer, and, linger and linger and linger and linger and linger.
1: Have you noticed they're getting even better and more expensive on Bring a Trailer lately? I've noticed. It's yes. gotten worse in that yeah. sense. So if it's an emotional attachment, well, of course I I love this car. I'm always going to have it. Of course, I'm going to pay money to put a new engine in it or rebuild the thing or yeah. do the work myself or whatever. That's on extreme side over here. The other is. This car just needs to run because me and my family depend on it. Totally. That's the other totally, yeah. equation. Hopefully you're somewhere in the middle where you can say, well, car is just not worth that much anymore. I guess it's a tax write off. And now we're mm. going to go search for something else. This is the exact discussion I had with my sister and family over Christmas break. Okay. She approached me with the question. They're looking in like nine months. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they <laughs> said, thought they'd start now. And I said, hey, you know what I do, right? I do a podcast uh-huh. about this. I've got yeah. a show here. And so I just made some points to get her thinking because her opinion is cars should be used like a dirty dish towel. You get as much – you wring it out. I love the difference
0: in car ownership between you and your sister. It is it is about as polar opposite as it possibly could be. You, you are completely diametrically opposed. I love it. He,
1: she and her husband bought – when they were in college together, mm-hmm. they, they – were dating and they knew they were going to get married. And so they bought a car and they drove it. Actually, I think they were married at this point. Never mind. Anyway, they drove up the Alcan in a mid-80s Honda Accord. Okay. Bought it, drove it on the Alcan four times. Okay. Put almost 200,000 miles on it and sold it for more than they bought it for. Good grief. This is their opinion of cars. Got it. I'm still
0: and. a Let me guess at
1: this situation.
0: That car comes up anytime the current car they own breaks.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because that car ran in spite of them, and it so man, why doesn't every car run in spite I mean, of them?
1: They put some money into it to maintain it, and it yeah. just ran, and then they sold for more money to a girl who didn't know any better. And <laughs> I kind of think they took advantage of her because she needed a car for college. Side note, side note, side note. Yeah, sold yes. it for like five grand, and I was like, "You did what?" But I think, I think.
0: Back to some of the points of the original question. That's got me thinking about this, though. I think if you have a car that is sitting there, that you look at a repair bill, you can't just let it go for what's left in its value, and you can't buy another car for the amount you're about to have to put out. I think you have to repair it. Mm -hmm. You're looking at a car that would be worth ten grand without this problem. It's now worth five. You can't buy a decent car for five or even seven. You got to put two grand in.
1: Yeah, and I, if you put that money in, but you know it will give you definitive mileage, I can get another forty to 50,000 miles out of it after putting that money in. Yeah. Okay, worth it. I yeah. can see that. If it's a catastrophic thing like you experienced with the Lancer, mm-hmm. worth 1500 bucks, and it needs a motor. Yeah. Or a full engine rebuild, which yeah, will yeah. cost almost the same. As and a, becomes a project car. You know yeah. what I mean? And you kind of needed it to rely upon it. Well, mm-hmm. then… Got to make the t- tough decision, but I don't think you regretted it. Well, but the big the big discussion for me was what I wanted
0: to do to the Lancer. Would have cost about five grand. Now I am not a project car guy. I wasn't going to jack it up in my garage or work on oh, it myself. You mean it were still running? If, no, I'm saying w- when it needed a new engine.
1: Oh, okay, 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 okay.
0: What I wanted to do was essentially put an Evo drivetrain in it. Gotcha. Okay, right. and by getting all of that done, would have cost somewhere in the neighborhood of around five thousand dollars. Well, at this point I've spent far more money than the car's worth. Yeah. yeah. And I don't I'm not a guy that's going to wrench myself. I don't have the time mm-hmm. or the skill set. And I and I don't want to just play with a project. We're quite busy. So and so yeah. now I'm paying somebody to do it, which is where it comes to 5 grand. And now I'm in a situation where I know because of the nature of that engine swap and what I've, I I looked into it, there'll be random gremlins to chase. Sure. And so I just thought, I don't have the time nor the cash to pursue that, so I need to take a hit on this that will be less than what it would cost me to fix it like I want. And that was the decision.
1: And that was a hard decision, but at the same time, it was the right
0: decision when I was done.
1: Seth, I don't think you made the wrong choice here. I think you did right, and I hope the car continues to run. I hope that was the solve and moving yeah. forward. 07 doesn't strike me as the worst year ever as far as you know age you know well, what I mean? I look at my
0: wife's Cayenne, which we have another video of that coming in a little while. I look at my wife's Cayenne, and she is still in love with this thing. 2010 Cayenne. V6, it's been great for us, but it does have 140,000 miles on it, mm-hmm. which means stuff is wearing out. Not because it's a Porsche, because it's got 140,000 miles on it. Yeah, right. All cars have got stuff wearing out, which means we know we have some costs coming, mm-hmm. but we're going to have it for probably three or four more years. She likes it. So at that point, we're like, this is worth the money. Yeah, right. And it's not worth that much if we sold it either. So we've got a great car that we enjoy that's not worth much money. Let's pay some money for it. Ben Cohen made me laugh. Did you see this on Facebook? You sent (laughs) a photo, Ben, that I am laughing about. I love it because I've talked about this before. It (laughs) is a photo of a blue Subaru BRZ, which is rear-wheel drive, (laughs) okay? It is the only thing in Subaru's lineup that isn't all-wheel drive. And when I owned one, I had more, I had an FRS, of course, but I had multiple people when they found out I drove my FRS year round, they said, Oh, I didn't know that was all wheel drive. <laughs> it's not. The license plate <laughs> on this blue Subaru BRZ was just not all wheel drive, which is brilliant. Thank you for sending that photo, Ben. It made me laugh.
1: Forrest Jenkins on Instagram asks if there's any cars that we recommended a few years ago or any time up to recently that we now regret recommending due to reliability issues. The one that really comes to mind, Forrest, is the Ford Focus RS. Oh, okay. We drove it just as reports of this, head yeah, gasket yeah, yeah. issue, leaking coolant into the engine. you getting white yeah. smoke. Many owners reported once it warms up and it's running hot, it runs just fine. But, of course, on startup and then initial when the car was cold, that was an issue. Some people had major engine issues, too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It was a big deal. I don't regret recommending that because of... The nature of the car, how great it was to drive. Mm. What a fantastic car Ford has built. Yes, it had the the head gasket issue. Mm -hmm. But to my knowledge, Ford rectified that with all the owners. Or tried. Your your mileage will vary there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in that case, if you buy a car, it has a problem and the company rectifies it. Mm -hmm. Is it a bad car? Not
0: always. Well, and, and so often we talk about the fact that cars that aren't perfect are actually more fun. I hate to say it that way, but it often does happen that way. I mean, way. they have to run. They do have to run. A, have cars to run. that don't run are now just projects, There's and that's a just spot. a hole in your yard, which is not that great. And your wallet. Speaking of uh, difficult cars, Chris Hutch 4 is asking me, am I really going to road trip the Lotus? I've mentioned road tripping the Lotus this year. Yeah, and He's like, have. wait a minute. Wait a minute, Todd. He's calling me out. Mm-hmm. Because in my first video, I drove from Los Angeles to Salt Lake. Down I-15. On purpose. In the middle of the summer. Yeah. Which is pretty much just a straight line in the Lotus and hated doing so. Hated doing so.
1: I remember the this. The only
0: part of it I enjoyed, it was an 800-mile drive. The only part of it I enjoyed was when I actually got off the freeway for about a half hour and actually found a mountain road right off of I-15 and loved that part. So he's saying, what am I talking about that mm-hmm. I'm saying I'm going to do road trip? I, I am going to road trip. Two, two things on my mind here, Chris. I'm realizing that I really love this car more than any car I've owned but I don't drive it as much as I would like to, and I haven't had any huge memory adventures in it. And this is what Mm. the cheap sports cars have done for me, Mm. is you and I are going on adventures in these cars that are somewhat throwaway cars. And here I have this car that I love, and I don't have those adventures with that car. And I've come to the realization, this may sound weird, Chris, that if I'm ever going to get rid of the Elise, I need to have those adventures checked off. Huh. Because if yeah. I, because I love, I love driving it around anywhere, down my block, uh, down the length of your driveway. Doesn't matter. I love driving anytime I get to drive it, but I don't drive it very far. And yeah. the thing I've also noticed is, I don't like road tripping in pretty much anything. The 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 dreariness of the road trip I don't enjoy.
1: Okay, all
0: right. I love the surprises of a road trip. The oh, this part's huh. gorgeous, or oh my gosh, I had no idea this part of this road was this great, or uh, did you know there's some great restaurant down the road? I don't even know. I love that's part of the road trip. Sure. I want to go discover those things. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that my son and I can take some trips together.
1: I just remember when you got home from LA, you slammed the door and said, never again. I did
0: not like it. You're right. But part of that was 115 degrees outside Las Vegas and the car only keeps you 15 degrees cooler than the outside air. So you do the math. So there's that as well. But I'm hoping to have, I mean, the million dollar highway piece we just released on TV. Yeah. Yeah. That's a road I want to do in the Lotus.
1: And that means yeah, I got a road agreed. trip to get there. Agreed. But the, that road is epic. I mean, we did definitively call out doing it in the right car is important. Yes. It's yes. not just do this road in any car. It was yeah. not the point of the film, but yeah. I hope you guys get a chance to see it. Wheelie Potts is asking how much R&D and production costs can be carved out of gross sales before the car is considered a failure. Is there a general ratio? Mm. Not necessarily because it depends from car company to car company, but I'll give you an example. The Toyota Supra. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't speak for Toyota and I'm not, but I don't know that Toyota has huge sales expectations for the Supra. The, what we've been able to kind of understand from mm-hmm. them is that they didn't have a huge sales numbers. Well, the car's got to hit this number if we're going to keep going with the Supra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just brought it out. They invested. It was a partnership. Mm-hmm. But to do that, they were able to have the partnership and now bring it out. And I think it was a toe in the pool of should we continue to do sports cars? I think it's also. How many are they going to sell? I, yeah. I, somebody will buy this car. We know that. The other, th- How yeah, many, the, the Supers we're
0: kind of open to. The Super's a great part, part uh, to start into this because I was thinking about this Toyota's doing with the Supra what Ford does with the Mustang. And here's what I mean by that. The Mustang is an iconic name for Ford. Selling a Ford Mustang with a V8 is definitive for Ford. True. Okay. The F-150 so far outsells the Mustang
1: that you you
0: could ask questions about, why are we making a Mustang again? Because Ford makes the Mustang. Toyota hasn't had that car, unless you want to say, oh, because Toyota makes the Camry. They haven't had that car that people that like cars have been excited about, and it's sold because it needs to be. And they've brought the Supra back. I think their expectations, based on what we have gleaned, are low. It's more BMW than Toyota in many ways. They they cooperated on the costs, and that allows their expectations to be very low, but they can legitimately say, Toyota sells the Supra. You see my point?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking this through here, and... I don't think there's there's a definitive ratio.
0: I don't think so. But back
1: to the Nissan Rogue. They know that this is their best selling car. So they also know that they're willing to put in a lot of R and D into the new one, Mm -hmm. but knowing that it will sell anyway, they're not willing to go too far with the styling or too far with any new technology or too far with any more expensive seats or production costs to alienate the customer base. Because car companies want all those people who bought a Rogue to buy the next Rogue. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. thinking. Sometimes the thinking is, "Hey, you started with the Audi A3, we want you into the Audi A5 next." Or the A4. has the same grill. Look, the interior's the same. Same kind of thing. <laughs> well, there has to be a corporate family look. Uh, supposedly, yeah. I mean, if you had one car that doesn't look like anything else in the family, I think that'd be fine. But that's that's it'd just be me. fun, not fine.
0: There you go. It would be fun. It'd be very, it'd be very fun. <laughs> Let's not have too much fun here. Yeah, for sure.
1: They would make a misstep if they invested a lot of new technology and the design were so out there that it were polarizing. Then their current sales numbers wouldn't match against new sales of the car. When you try a new model like the Alfa Romeo Giulia or the Kia Stinger, Mm. I think the purse strings and the preconceived notions are looser. Mm. Yeah. All the sales teams and marketing teams set numbers. Here's based on the market. Here's what competitors sell. Here's what competitor X sold last year. Here's how yeah, many yeah, cameras yeah. are sold and that kind of thing. So mm. we can expect about this. We'd love this number. Below this would make us seriously question things. Sure, yeah, yeah. But going into that, you know what you've designed and built. And I guarantee you the design and engineering teams are briefed on all of those figures mm. before they start on the project. I have a random side note here, and that is – over the
0: Christmas break, many of you, many, many of you sent me emails, made reviews, told me that you read my novel, Paper Father. If you're curious about it, you can go to the store tab on our website. It's right there under Amazon. Or you can go to todddeacon.com and find it as well. But I just, I want to say thank you for a minute for not only all of you that read it, but what I loved. I, honestly, this is pretty much the best compliment I could get. The number of you that wrote me, and I have to set this up right, kind of saying, yeah, I mean I wanted to be supportive and so I got a copy. <laughs> and I just I thought I'd you know, I just I hey I want to support what you do. I appreciate you finished your novel. You know what? I finished it. It's really good. It was easy to read. I enjoyed this. That was that was the tone of almost half of the responses I got. And I gotta say, that has been actually a very nice compliment. People are like eh. Okay, I'll give it hey, this is good. I'm, hey, I'm glad it's good. Thank you for reading. <laughs> if you're interested in the virtual author thing we are doing here on the 22nd of January, that is this month, ToddDeacon.com has a link at the bottom of the page. You can be part of the virtual book tour. A few of you already signed up. I'm actually very excited about that. That will be a spoiler-filled discussion. We had our first extra podcast, no spoilers. This will be a spoiler-filled discussion
1: about the book if you're interested. And thank you to those of you that wrote reviews. I really genuinely appreciate it. The Jason Bell is asking me about my time with the Jeep Grand Cherokee that I kind of forgot about. Mm. Bought it brand new in 2015 as a 2015 model. He says, have my thoughts and feelings about it changed. They drove one recently. Loved how it drove, but the internet is full of reliability horror stories. Well, the two that I experienced were the steering rack losing all of its hydraulic fluid, but it didn't go anywhere. It just filled the rubber boot. (laughs) <laughs> so the steering feel was terrible, but they put it up on the rack and said, yep, no leaks. You're fine. It's, not leaking, so it's, it's all no, good. No, 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 Yeah. This doesn't steer right. It doesn't feel good. Then also the Uconnect from that year just decided to quit working. One day I started the car. It didn't boot and it never booted again. <laughs> it
0: bricked itself. It did.
1: They replaced <laughs> Sorry it. Sorry I'm warranty. laughing. Now, those were not the reasons I got rid of it. Mm. At the time, I needed the cash. And things were changing car from a car standpoint yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't really have the need for it as much. And so I changed cars. I think I would have kept it longer had I had the need for it, mm-hmm. but the expedition came into my life. That was key. Yeah. So I didn't yeah, yeah. really have the need for it. And at the time it was still worth enough money. I could get, you know, kind of get out of it. Yeah. And, uh, and so I did, but those were not the reasons. Once those things were fixed, I liked the truck. It was good. Drove well. Four wheel drive. But it It wasn't as good. It was
0: one of those things, kind of like the Mini was for me, where you never fully connected.
1: I thought I would. Yeah. When I moved to Utah, I thought, Jeep. Yeah. I want a Jeep. (laughs) And Jeep to me means four door Grand Cherokee. Jeep to Todd means Means Wrangler. Wrangler Rubicon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just thought Jeep mm-hmm. and I, you know, have all these visions and I think that happens to people. <laughs> it does. The car I'm going to buy is going to change my life. Yes. I'm going to buy that new Bronco and, and my life kayak. is going to be full of kayaks <laughs> and canoes and paddle boards and all this lifestyle gear. I'm aware that I
0: live in the middle of Nebraska, but I'm going to buy climbing a ropes. kayak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> buy climbing. You get the point. I kind of had that Downtown, vision Manhattan. myself. I just bought
0: ice climbing gear. Because right. I brought a Bronco. What could possibly what go wrong? Yeah,
1: I had that in my head, and it didn't materialize. I was still a skier and mountain biker, but yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. really materialize kind of like I thought. But, yeah, then the expedition came into my life. So that's really why I changed that.
0: Cutler Collin wrote it on Instagram with a couple of questions. He said, first off, is it bad that whenever he flies through Salt Lake City, he wears his everyday driver's shirt on the off chance that he'll run into us? <laughs> <laughs> I love that's I funny. Love this. If that's you ever funny. do see us in an airport, and people do, what, what's funny is that you and I get recognized in airports more than anywhere because we're walking along together. That's true. So that that's happens true. more more commonly there yes. than ever. And it's actually one of my favorite jokes ever. From uh, from Chance, who shoots for us, is one of the within a year of shooting for us, he actually us asked, um, "Do you guys ever get recognized?" We were on our way flying to L.A. Mm-hmm. on that trip. Over the course of roughly seventy-two hours, we get recognized five times. By yeah, the time it happened the last time, we were in an airport again. And, and, and with the person walked away, he was like, I get it. Can we be done now? Okay? So airports are where it happens yes. the most. I love that you're wearing your shirt. That's very funny. Thank you for that. Also, you said that uh, you're thinking of putting some Christmas money toward being a patron of this show. Thank you for that. That's yeah, very cool. You've asked what level. Buddy, I, whatever level. It doesn't really matter to us. Uh, we appreciate the support no matter what. Any patron is allowed on the Discord fantastic conversations going on in the discord we really appreciate it i would say though the, the the board member thing is really cool i know that's the highest level i bring it up because those are folks that genuinely have become friends of ours Mm -hmm. and they've had genuine influence in the show. I mean, we have a a board member call. It's why we call it board members because it actually is a call with us every month. And I'm always surprised at the stuff that comes out of those calls. Really good questions, really good suggestions. We have learned those names and faces because we see them every month. It's very, very fun. So that is actually the one we interact the most. But because of discord and everything else, we interact with all of our patrons quite a bit. So wherever you're in, we'd love it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Just adding to that, I the The community that we have strived and aspired to create really does seem like it's, it's happening. It's very cool. And it manifests itself in the Discord. Just wonderful people to be with and share this car yeah, disease yeah, yeah. with. There's less antagonistic. It, it's the opposite of YouTube comments. Let me put it that way. <laughs> All right. Last question here. Evan Schiefer says, what automotive releases are we most anticipating for 2021? Mm. What car makers do we expect to make headlines with releases? Evan, I think you mean besides the Cayman GT4 RS and the 911 GT3 RS? Is so you're thinking besides about Besides those two? I'm thinking about
0: weird. the BRZ and wondering where uh, Toyota is with the FRS yes. 86 follow uh, Toyota 86
1: yeah. is high on the list. Mm-hmm. Toyota Super Manual, we don't know anything, but maybe. It's going to come at some point. It'll be here's after we everybody's thinking. already bought one. <laughs> well, no, here's, here's what we were thinking. Okay, go on. Nissan drops the Z car because mm-hmm. you remember Nissan kind of has, but there was a disclaimer in every photo that says this is still – not production. This is yeah. still a concept. Things could change, and they were pretty much asking, "Do you like it?" Before we actually release it, do, yeah. is there anything yeah, we should you're change? Right. You're right. Yep. And things could change. Mm-hmm. I don't expect large changes, but I do expect something to change. And maybe as soon as Nissan drops their manual Z car, Toyota goes, want the super manual? Yeah. Boom. That's a good point. That's a good point. I wonder if that happens. No matter
0: when they're planning for it, that would be the timing where they'd be like,
1: hello. Yeah. Evan, personally, I'm wondering about all this electric car teasing to stop. Oh, okay. Give us one array. Porsche has with a Taycan. Of course, Tesla. Mm-hmm. Audis are starting to come out with their e-tron, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the rest of them, I'm ready for the electric car future. It's coming. Drop it. Bring it. (laughs) Let's make it happen. Let's drive it. Okay. I'm curious because if this is the direction the car industry is going, Mm -hmm. in addition to continuing internal combustion engines.
0: Yes, it's definitely going to keep happening
1: for a while. It will keep happening. I'm curious. Every car manufacturer is claiming it, but not everybody's ready to make that jump. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can afford it. They're not accessible to everybody. You have to change your lifestyle. When you own one, things will change for you. Let's find out. Let's see it. Bring it. Guys, thank you so much for your, all your questions. We're ready for a new year. Bring it We're on. Excited. Cheers everyone.